much fun. It was so great. It is 2019, and boy, does it pay to be influential. We're talking hashtag goals today. Another amazing package. Fashion, fitness, family, home, lifestyle, all of it. Influencers, the subject of today's episode. Hi, guys. It is Tuesday, I think. And I'm bringing on a couple of wonderful ladies for you today. The first is going to be KNBC9 reporter Bianca Beltran. I love Bianca. She is so much fun. And she's going to join me to talk about some of the economy surrounding influencers. And then I'm bringing on a real treat for you. Local Instagram influencer Brie Bokalek. She is a former full-time attorney who walked away, by and large, from that career to become an influencer. She still practices some law. And in fact, she talks to me about how her legal career comes into play in what she does. You're going to be stunned to hear some of the work that goes into all those pretty pictures you see on your feed. All of that coming up. Stick around. You're used to seeing us on the evening news. This conversation's different. I'm Haley Harrison. And I'm Bianca Beltran, co-hosting this week. I am so excited to have you, Bianca. Me too. Thanks. This is fun. And this week we're talking about influencers. Yes, an interesting topic. <laughs> Something that keeps coming up in our social media feeds. You recently did an audit of your Instagram. Tell me more about that. I did. It seems like every time I go on Instagram, there is an influencer post. And I thought, I can't follow that many influencers. And I actually stopped counting when I got to about a dozen because <laughs> I realized that I do actually follow quite a few. And most of them are Kansas City based. And sure. I think the reason I did that is moving here from out of state. It was a good way to kind of figure out where are the cool places to get coffee, where are the places to go to dinner, and where are the places to take you pictures. You actually have a friend you were mentioning in New York City, and you're showing me her feed, and the pictures on her feed are just incredible. They are. Uh, her name is uh, Jasmine Vanessa on Instagram, and she is actually my college friend. And within the last year has just exploded to more than 10,000, maybe 20,000 followers. And it, uh, it started with her taking cute themed pictures. And over time, she has published pictures that look like they could be in a magazine spread and is now doing it full time living in New York. So it's pretty clear that a lot of people are getting into the influencer game. And this is where Bianca comes in to sort of pull back the curtain on this industry. And I think it'll be easy to see from the numbers she's about to give to us that this industry is exploding. So one of the things to keep in mind is that because it is sort of in its infancy, even though it's been happening for a really long time, um, is that it's kind of hard to really quantify because you have mega influencers with millions of followers. And then you have what are called micro influencers, which to my surprise uh, are accounts with 30,000 or fewer followers, which to me is a lot, <laughs> a lot of followers. I, I look at my Instagram and I go, oh man, I follow in the nano influencer maybe. Say, smaller than micro influencer, like yeah. smaller than small, because that's where I would <laughs> Nano influencer would be the term for someone with about a thousand followers or fewer. So, oh and what's interesting is all of these are valuable in terms of marketing. So, and in fact, some reports say that the micro influencers are even more effective because there's a more personal 
connection that they have with their followers and they're really maybe in the beginning of their career and so they're putting in a lot of effort and really trying to make every post count. You think that's because they seem maybe more accessible to the people who follow them? Like they're actually in that community? That is a big part of it and there are actually articles by Forbes and TechCrunch giving brands and companies advice on how to work with influencers and they say that authenticity is key, that uh Product placement can't seem out of place, so there are different categories of influencers. You might have lifestyle, uh, fitness, beauty, clothing. It goes on and on and on and on. And you can't really have someone who, say, is, uh, for example, a technology influencer doing beauty products. Or, you know, it has to seem like it it actually fits into their life. It's something they would actually use and wear. So... And, and it's kind of like a friend. You know, you gain a relationship with these influencers and she's the cool girl, what have you, and well, she's shopping at Target or wherever, that's, that's where I'm going to go too. And so how much are marketing companies using influencers over other forms of marketing, I wonder? Did any of your research pull that up? Yeah, that is growing. Uh, one example, and I think this made a huge splash this summer, Estee Lauder reported to be committing 75% of its advertising budget towards influencer marketing. Now, that may not necessarily include micro-influencers. There are celebrities that would use their makeup products and, and perfume. Okay, give me the number again. It's so 75% huge. 75% of its advertising budget. So you're used to seeing Estee Lauder in magazines, yeah, in commercials, maybe billboards, but influencers. They're using that as part of their advertising strategy. And a lot of companies are Instagram being the the most popular. Wow. That blows my mind. I was kind of curious about some of the the, uh, numbers on this because I was curious what kind of money is in influencing. And I'm sure that it depends whether you're a Kylie Jenner or, um, you know, a nano influencer. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that term. Um, uh, this just blew my mind. Okay, so Kendall Jenner, uh, the one of the others, uh, 140 million followers and $1.2 million for a sponsored Instagram post. $1.2 million. Wow. That's so much money. It just blows my mind. Uh, what kind of money is in this for your average Instagrammer? Well, when you're first starting out, I think a lot of people will do posts Uh, for barter. So free products, um, you maybe get entry into a unique event that nobody else does. And so then that also helps feed into, well, this person is a VIP, they're getting exclusive access that other uh, media or even regular people wouldn't be able to. And so there's um, capital in that sense. But once people start gaining followers, there is a correlation with what they can charge. And so that's one major way that brands or businesses will seek out influencers and then pay based on that. But it really just depends. It also depends on the format. So it could be for a on, an ongoing campaign, a single post, for stories that disappear after 24 hours. Uh, so I was talking to uh, the CEO of a an influencer um, talent agency called Viral Nation. So they represent hundreds of influencers around the world. So this is a thing, and wow. we can talk about that more okay. in a second. But I was talking to him. You know, give me give me a ballpark. And he said, um, so YouTube is a medium that they work, and it could be anywhere between five cents and twenty cents a view. So if you think about videos that have millions of views, those 
cents, those pennies add up. Um, and Instagram, the cost per impressions or, or the amount of times that it's viewed uh, by a, a user, between 10 and $25. And so these influencers have these analytics so they can see how many people uh, liked their post, how long they stayed on it, if they saved it, uh, that sort of thing. So it really just depends on the negotiation and that comes down to, to the influencer and how much value they think they're worth. Okay, we're going to take a step back here because you mentioned that you talked to an Instagram influencer talent agency? Yeah. I guess it's not just Instagram. I should stop saying that. Uh, but a talent agency for influencers. That's wild that that even exists. With any industry, there are supplemental businesses. And so some of the things that I've learned about are talent agencies like this um, that will represent, they'll go in and do negotiations and uh this CEO, his name is uh, Joe Gagliese, and he says that he's done negotiations from $200 for a post to a recent campaign for half a million dollars for That's one wild. YouTube campaign. And they're working with big brands. Their website, Viral Nation, you'll see they've worked with um, Bud Light, for example, the Lakers, um, the Calm app. So it really just depends. Um, and there are other things, too. So uh, we actually, KNBC recently did a story about a, uh, a local influencer who started an app to help other influencers, they can type in whatever city they're in or going to, and they'll find Insta-worthy spots. So That's murals, right. locations. So there are apps. There are um, others that provide filter templates. So if there's a certain look that you're going for and you don't want to have to edit it step by step every time, you can have your presets and just have that same look that you'll see in many Instagram pages. They have a color palette, kind of a, a a theme going on. And so these are all tools that make it easier for these entrepreneurs to do their business. And just last week, the uh, Influencer Marketing Association launched and their goal uh, is they're going to be the official trade organization committed to protecting authenticity and ethics of the industry. So it's exploding. It is absolutely exploding. It's changing the way that we consume media, specifically like advertisements. It's I don't want to say it's insidious, but, you know, you look at an image and you don't realize it's an advertisement until you look closer and you see that sponsored by or you get into the details of the post and realize, okay, this is an ad for this product, um, but it is so subtle. I think is why it's so successful. Mm -hmm. And sometimes all it takes is a hashtag ad. Those are three characters that are required to be included in some type of paid content. And it can be easy to miss in a slew of hashtags, you know, between hashtag coffee and, you know, whatever else. And so the FTC is actually, you know, cracking down and Talking, yeah. yeah, they're they're contacting influencers, you know, making sure that they're in compliance because it's a very thin line whether it's someone's personal life being displayed on Instagram or co uh, content that they're being paid to produce. It sounds like if you are wanting to get in this game, it's really not something that you should do lightly. Like you have to do your research Absolutely. to start doing this, and that's something that this. Um, CEO of Viral Nation was saying is that he gets calls every day, hundreds of people, really young too. I mean, there are kid influencers as well uh, who they, this is what they want to be. This is what they want to do with their lives. And he says it's a lot harder than it looks, especially if you have very involved posts uh, with uh, themes and props. It takes time to plan. It takes time to edit. It also is a hustle if you're first starting out to reach out to sponsors and 
make that financial transaction. So he says, don't quit your job and start doing this tomorrow. <laughs> okay, no worries there for me. <laughs> uh, I, you know, there, there's something to be said for uh, consistent income, right? Um, you know, I was looking at some of the, um, the, the influencers here in Kansas City who are really well-known, um, people like Becky Hilliard, Sella Jane, uh, almost half a million followers. Almost half a million followers. Who are these people? Who are these people? Where are they coming from? I mean, you know, there's, what, two million people in the Kansas City metropolitan area? So, you know, she's got a fourth of everybody in the metro uh, following her. Obviously, she's got followers all around the country, too. Um, Emily Ferris, the boozy bungalow is one that I really like. She's really funny and quick-witted. She has, like, 7,000 followers. Uh, and I think uh, I had read that she was in uh, the marketing industry. And became an influencer. Um, so th there's quite a few. I and mean, they've got tens of thousands of followers. And you see these people. You and I were just talking before uh, we turned the mic on about uh, an event here in town, the unveiling of a, of a bar. And all these influencers were there. And so all these pictures uh, of this bar are popping up on our social media feed. And I was curious as to how they decided. Are these all influencers with a certain follower count? And they're not. They're all over the place. And I think uh, part of it is their their niche you know they're targeting a very specific consumer and it's the type of customer that they want and that's something that influencer marketing is a benefit that's been reported compared to say the average generic uh, commercial that is supposed to appeal to everyone right. influencers can tailor that to their audience and depending on what the product is. So for example, some of the influencers that I follow are curvy women and they shop and show how to make fashion work for them, which is now a growing theme in uh, big brand commercials, but uh, it is very specific. I can't wait for you to hear my conversation uh, with Brie Vokalek. She is awesome. She's a, a former attorney turned influencer. And I was just so impressed with how she talks about how she uses that sort of real world, quote unquote, business savvy, her lawyer skills <laughs> in her job as an influencer. And so she has a lot of, uh, of great contributions to this conversation. Brie Vokalek, thanks for being here and joining us. Uh, where did you get the name Overanalyze That? So if you know me, it's a perfect fitting name. Uh, one of my best friends who's a blogger, I kind of felt her out on doing, starting the whole blogging, Instagramming, influencing thing. And so I was brainstorming with her over the phone on, I wanted to kind of have an umbrella, like, here's what I'm trying to do. I spend way too much time thinking about the things <laughs> I'm buying. You know, the average person maybe looks online and I read every review. I spend like, I usually say I cannot buy a pair of jeans without thinking about it for two weeks. So <laughs> um, she said, well, that's a great thing. Cause it covers, you know, the things that you're buying for your home and for fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and so overanalyze that kind of covers all the different things that I'm overthinking all the time. So I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of, especially like moms and young women who can relate to that. <laughs> right. Yes. Reading a lot of blogs myself and just putting Perfect. in the time. So that's kind of my goal is to, with overanalyze that is to take my time that I spend on those things. So other people don't have to. So how do you come from a legal career to what you're doing today, like Instagram and blogging and all of the social media? 
I think for me, it was a dream that was always hidden down somewhere that I would see, you know, my friend that helped me out, she did for years. And I always really admired that. And I finally decided that why, why not? Like life was going by really fast. I'd been at my lawyer job for 10 years and I was freaking out because I was like, well, that 10 years was fast. I really don't want to be doing this for another 10 years. And so what am I not doing? Because I'm just too scared. And starting an Instagram was one of those things. I thought maybe no one will ever follow me, but I'm going to do it for myself because I'm scared of it. And I've always wanted to do it. So, okay. That's really brave. Totally. totally (laughs) It was terrifying. So yeah, sure. No, it's awesome. Yes. Um, how do you get started doing this? Cause you and I were talking before we got on mic about how there's a lot of people out there who are interested in doing this, but how do you ever actually get started? Well, there's a lot you can do just through Googling. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, there's a little of an effort where you're just spending time researching on your own. I reached out to anyone that I knew that was involved in it in any way. I took, um, I have a friend of mine who lives in Lee Summit. She's got over 100,000 followers. So I said, hey, can I take you to coffee and pick your brain? And just you really have to start. I believe it's one of those things you cannot figure out completely until you jump into it. And so a lot of ways I just had to set up the account and jump in and then it kind of snowballed from there on, oh, I need to be doing this and then here's what's working and here's what's not working. Is it one of those things that works where you can jump in with one foot or do you have to jump in like all in if you're going to do it? I I think to be successful, you need to jump into it. If you're just going to try to casually do it here and there, it's not going to work. So a piece of advice that I got before I started was to post every single day, which is a big commitment. That's both feed in. If you're posting every day, it's a lot of work. And I committed to do that. So I posted every single day on my Instagram for a year. Uh, and I, that's part of it though. I think that's part of my success so far is really putting the time and jumping in with both feet. What is the hardest part of what you do? For me personally, the hardest part is not being able to control the results. So I'll put to put a lot of time and energy into posting something. And sometimes because we cannot control the Instagram algorithm, uh, it's not as successful as maybe I'd like it to be. And it, the work is not always rewarded in a one-to-one ratio. The more work you do, it may not do great. Or you may put something up that you put minimal effort into and all of a sudden it, it performs well. So mm-hmm. for me as a control freak, an overthinker, that is really hard for me. So what is Instagram just changing their algorithm constantly? Constantly constantly. So uh, we're really lucky here in Kansas City. I have a great community of Instagram blogger friends. And so we get together on on a regular basis. And this is what we talk about is what's (laughs) working and and something that's been working. For example, my likes on a lot of my photos used to be much higher and I have not changed really anything. If anything, I have more followers. So it logically doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is related to the algorithm. And Instagram doesn't send out a memo when they change the (laughs) algorithm. Rhythm to all of you guys, just as a courtesy. I wish I could get on that memo. Can I get on that email list? Because I would, I would love to know, but it's constantly changing based on the way people are interacting with Instagram, which is really interesting. And so you just, it's just, is it just trial and error trying to figure out what is working then? 
I, I'm going to say yes. So I, I spend a lot of energy on paying attention to what's working. We get, I have analytics that come on my Instagram account so I can see how many people have seen or interacted with a certain story or post. And then you kind of learn from there what works and what doesn't work. So. so interesting. You mentioned your other blogger and Instagram friends. Is there like a convention of <laughs> influencers? <laughs> Does that exist? It it does. I mean, you can go to conferences all over what? the country for bloggers or influencers. And so we've had a few events here in Kansas City. Um, one, the Casey Influence is kind of a group and they'll have speakers and, you know, it's like a little party vibe. Some. Uh-huh. And then um, it used to be Casey Media Mixer and now it's Media Mixer. And that's a similar, it's kind of how I got plugged in is I got invited randomly to the first Media Mixer event. And I told my husband, I was like, Either I'm going to a blogger event or I'm going to get murdered. (laughs) A random person reached out to me on the internet and I'm going to meet them at her at this location. I have no idea. So it ended up working out. And Bria, who did that event, I'm dear friends with now. So Oh, funny. I was so glad it worked out for the better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's Um, still alive. How does, uh, how much time do you spend on social media, online, every day, do you think? It's one of those things where I, you, I almost don't want to know <laughs> because I know that number is high. Uh, I spend hours, I would say just for one Instagram post, you have to have the idea for the content, which takes some time and brainstorming. You, I will use a photographer quite often. So I'm planning the outfits and planning, um, arrange with the photographer and the vision for the shoot, shooting the content, writing the captions, tagging people, linking, um, the clothes, and then making sure all my hashtags <laughs> that are going to go with the post. So on a, just a average posting, I, it takes me at least an hour to put up a picture <laughs> on Instagram, what? which Again, this is also me. So this is my process and I am a perfectionist and probably spend more time than maybe even need to. But a lot of time goes in for everyone into putting up those tiny, pretty squares. And that is so fascinating because, because it does look so easy and effortless. Yeah. And maybe it is for someone, but it's not, not me. <laughs> Do you find that your legal skills or your sort of other professional life comes into play at all in what you do? It really does. Uh, So I'm lucky enough to have the opportunity to work with brands. And so generally when you book a campaign with a brand that comes with a contract, so I'm able to review and I will negotiate my own contracts. And then I've also been doing a little bit of legal work for bloggers. So setting up LLCs for bloggers, I've actually drafted um, influencer campaign contract for brands. So I am using a little bit here and there of my legal background um, in connection with the blogging world. That's so interesting. I saw something that you did recently. Um, you did like, uh, you went to Nordstrom and you tried on some things from a new collection. Give me the background on how something like that comes together and the work that goes into putting that together. Okay. So that's what I would call a try on Uh (laughs) in my world. So, um, it's pretty organic as far as 
picking out what I'm going to try on. So if I have the opportunity to go to Nordstrom and I'm usually doing something else. So let's say I have to return something or get something to wear for an event or a gift. I'll think this is a great opportunity to do a try on. So I always have to build a little extra time into my shopping trip. So I'll just go around and find some things that catch my eye. And I literally go into the dressing room, try them on. I take a photo um, first of each outfit while I'm trying it on as well as a motion video so you can see. So then after, I usually don't post it at the same time. I have to go home. I might edit those a little bit, um, depending on the time and the lighting in the dressing room, things you wouldn't think about. And then I'll put them together. I also luckily have over 10,000 followers. So I have um, the swipe up. And so with swipe up, I also have to go through generally reward style and find all of the items that I've tried on Mm. um, and link them. And so with every swipe up, then there's a link to buy that item that I'm trying on. The swipe up is something that comes with having a verified Account? You can have it with verified or 10,000 followers. So my okay. account is not ver- verified is when you have that little blue check mark. Uh-huh. And so if you have less than 10,000, I believe if you're verified, you can still get the swipe up. But uh-huh. if you have 10,000, you get swipe up. Automatic. Well. Yes. Which they're saying may change. So <laughs> it yeah. sounds like in the world of Instagram, it's always changing. Always changing. Yeah. So then people can swipe up and look at and even shop the items that you were trying on. Yeah. They like what they see. Right. So the nice thing that I like about a try on is that I don't necessarily buy all of those clothes, but yet people I'm getting commission from other people buying what they see in the try on. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So how does that, and that's probably the result of a contract. With Nordstrom? Well, that is what, not with Nordstrom. So that's with what's um, called reward style. So if you see Like to Know It, which is an app a lot of bloggers use to link their clothing, Like to Know It is who pays the commission on that. I see. I Mm -hmm. see. So um, how does that, how do your contracts, the the businesses, the entities that you have your contracts with, give us an example of one of those. And how does that come to be? Do Mm -hmm. they reach out to you? Do you reach out to them? So the, the most recent contract I've been working on is with AT&T. And so they have a product called AT&T TV. And they reached out to me um, via email. The crazy thing about this is that my husband canceled our cable. <laughs> like we, we had talked about it, but not really. And then he's like, oh, I canceled cable. I'm like, well, okay. I, you know, I was not quite ready. I was really nervous. And within a week, AT&T reached out to me about getting this AT&T TV. So the irony of it. But yeah, just the email from... Um, their marketing, uh, whoever's running their marketing and they'll, you know, we kind of negotiate via email, some of the terms, and then they'll send over a contract to review and you review the contract and they have a timeline and, um, I'll hire photography for that. So in a world where everything is online and what limits do you, your mother, mm-hmm. um, what de- limits do you share for you personally, for your kids, for your family about what things you won't share? What line will you not cross? Sure. So I do share my kids, which is a a line that some people draw, um, but only if they're willing participants. So I try not to force them to do things. Um, Sometimes I do have to pay them. So if, if I have a campaign that's, you know, a family campaign, I'll say, okay, if you do this, then, you know, let's say I get a gift card in correlation with it. I'll let them pick out something, you know, oh, to reward really? them. Yep. And so my husband is not big on having his photo taken. So he'll occasionally appear in my Instagram, um, but he's not big into it. And so I try to respect that. I mean, sometimes I'll kind of poke fun at him in a story, but I, I try not to do that a ton because I know he does not love to be on Instagram. So it's your thing, not his. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's supportive of it, but yeah, he's not 
posting selfies of himself for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is what is the biggest myth that you would love to debunk about what it's like to be an influencer? Well, a couple things. I think the time is a really good one because it looks pretty easy. And I think that it reminds me of being a lawyer because I can't tell you how many people say, oh, I was going to do that. Or I think, you know, I would have liked to do that. And it's like, well, when you're actually doing it, it's a little bit different than Mm -hmm. what you see on TV. Um, And so Instagram is the same. It's a lot of work that goes into it. And the, the women that do it that I know, they're really smart and really creative and they're business women. I mean, I run it like a business, not just a creative outlet for, for pretty pictures and clothes. I mean, it's, it's a business. So that's a big myth. I think that when I was just shopping Instagram as a consumer, I didn't realize. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been doing it a little over a year now. Yep. Yeah. What, um, h- how's it going? Give me a sense of, of what the day to day, you know, struggle is like building likes and followers and all of that the sort of business side of it. It definitely ebbs and flows. So, you know, I've been kind of frustrated, I think in the last week, but then, you know, you might break through and have some, a great week next week. So I'm lucky that I've had pretty consistent work and campaigns coming from brands and a pretty steady stream of income. Uh, So that's been nice, but yeah, there's, it's definitely ebbs and flows. So Mm -hmm. you're constantly, you know, having to evolve and come up with new and creative content. And I find that I have to be careful not to burn myself out or run myself down because it's hard to be creative and come up with things that people are excited to buy or interact with or interesting content. It sounds like it's, and you mentioned it's hard to predict what is going to get any kind of traction too. It is. It's tricky. It's not always a set thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just try to focus on creating good content. And uh, what happens after that is, uh, for the most part, out of my control. Okay. As as much as you're comfortable answering this question, how lucrative is it? Can you make a living off of of being an influencer? Or is it really like a side hustle, part-time kind of income that you're making. Right. So I know people who make six figures off of doing it. That is not me. I think that's another, a big myth. Like you said, people think, oh, you quit your lawyering job and now you're making that same amount of money doing social media marketing. And that's just not the case. I work for my dad. So this is really just my side hustle. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, it would not be a full-time income from me. I mean, I hope that that happens and I think that's a goal, but not very many people. If there's a hundred influencers in Kansas City, I would say five or less are making that kind of money. Like you know the what six I mean? It's very, salaries, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to make that kind of money. And how many like followers did those people have? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I see some have like half a million millions. Right. So if I think between, you know, 40, if they're really engaged, 40,000, if they're really engaged and they're buying what you're selling, you can make a good living doing that. You might have some spinoff projects. It's not going to just be from affiliate links, um, or brand posts, but, and then those, if you're over a hundred thousand followers, I think it's a little bit easier to make that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel pressure? Um, to look a certain way or be something, do you feel pressure, I guess, is, is the question, yeah. 
I don't personally, but that I think I've always been kind of a confident person and I'm also older. Mm. So for me, you know, I'm just, I do me there. I, I'm not going to be somebody else. I can't be a 20 something, you know, part of my brand, I think is being a little bit of a hot mess mom, you know, like I'm, I'm really honest about what's going on. And, um, and so I don't, I don't, I try not to put that pressure on myself and I, I honestly don't feel it too often. Yeah. Do you, does your daughter ever ask about like what you're doing or how do you have those kinds of conversations with her? Cause I'm sure she's, I, I only know from pictures, but it looks like she's kind of getting to that age, you know, yeah. like a little bit older wondering about some yeah, of that stuff. So my daughter is like very funny. I mm. think she has her own following in my following. They're just <laughs> really there for her funny videos, but uh, she, it's hard to explain conceptually like what it is. My son, he'll be eight and he understands a little bit more and he'll say like, why are we doing this? Like sometimes we'll go to an event or have a photo shoot and I'm like, this is for my Instagram and we'll get money for this. And then we can use that money to play, pay for your baseball, you know? So I'm trying to teach them that it is work and that it does matter what I'm doing and spending this time you know, cause I have to sacrifice time away from them and I don't want them to think I'm just, it is really fun, but it's not totally just about that. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you said, there's a, there's a business element to sure. it. It's pretty yes. clear. Um, what's the coolest thing you've got to do as an influencer? Probably the coolest thing I did, and maybe it's just for me, but one of, one of my favorite things is I walked in Kansas City Fashion Week last year, and that was to- totally a dream. So I don't know if it was just because I was an influencer because I did try out like any other model, but it was so fun. And um, it was fun. I had a ton of influencers were there at um, Fashion Week, and it was just, I don't know, it was probably one of the best nights of my life, I would say. It so. sounds like getting glammed up. It's always a good time. Hair, makeup, all my friends were there. It was just an amazing night. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I know. Do you ever get sick of social media? You ever take a break? <laughs> I do get sick of it. Um, the funny thing is, is that I don't consume social media like I used to. So it's more, I'm on there to, to work, but it's a never ending. Like you could stay, I could stay on Instagram and be liking and commenting, engaging all day, every day. Uh, so you do have to set up some boundaries and I try to put my phone down and especially, you know, with my kids, I get up super early to get my posts out before they wake up. And so then when they get up, I can, you know, get them breakfast and get them on the bus and then I can work on it some more. So, um, it, it is frustrating. And it, for me, I don't feel as much like I'm wasting time on social media because I'm in some sense working, but I, you know, a lot of my friends are just like, Oh, that, you know, you can waste so much time on social media. Yeah. There's not like a clock. Right. <laughs> yes. It's never ending. Yeah. There's something to be said for like going to work, clocking in, leaving, you know, Absolutely. and then you're home. Right. Um, the ph- photographers that you're working with, are you like hiring someone to go do a campaign with you? Um, how does that work? Yes. So not everybody does that. I, I, d- my husband is not great at taking photos. So some of my blogger friends, if they have, you know, a boyfriend or husband who can work a camera, they maybe don't need to do that. Not everyone does that, but I, we're busy and he's working. And so I like to have really high quality photographer as photography as well. So yeah, I just, I have a few in the city that I love to work with and they're so talented. And for me, those photo shoots are honestly so fun. 
So it's like a creative outlet and I just love to do it as well. So it's really a fun thing to do in addition to being, oh, it's work, you know. Planning the locations, the yeah. outfits, yes. the, whole, the whole nine yards. Yes. Um, do people ever make judgments about you or do you feel like people make judgments about you when you say, I'm an Instagram influencer and that's what I do. I was really nervous about that in the beginning because I had worked in the legal field. And so I had worked in Clay County for 10 years. I was president of the Clay County Bar Association for a while. And so people knew me as a lawyer. And when you go from, you know, arguing a case at the Court of Appeals and kind of having a reputation for being that person, that's a that's a far cry from sharing your outfits on Instagram. So I was really nervous about that. I will say for the most part people have been very supportive and it's not necessarily about that. I'm doing Instagram. It's that I overcame a fear to do something I really wanted to do. And I think that resonates with anyone. And so they may not understand it, but they're appreciate the courage. And I felt mostly support from that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if somebody out there listening has been thinking about doing this, wants to do it, what's your final word of advice here? I say, go for it, jump into it. People think it's such a saturated market, and it is, but there's always space for someone. You have your own unique perspective, and so don't be afraid to do it just because you think there's too many other people doing it. And if they need a little bit of advice, what are those organizations here in Kansas City that uh, that are available? There's the Casey Influence and then Media Mixer, and you are welcome to reach out to me as well. I do a little mentoring on the side. so. And so uh, what platforms are you on? Where can we find you? Yep, so I'm on Instagram at, at overanalyzethat and as well as Facebook. And then my website is overanalyzethat.com. Okay. Bree, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Been fun. All right. Thanks. Now, we're no Instagram influencers, but you can follow us on Instagram. I am at Haley KMBC, and Bianca is at Bianca Beltran, B I A N C A B E L T R A N, on Instagram. As always, we thank you so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and rate and review as well.